This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. And now, the weather. This is Less Than Live with Cater Die, a bi-weekly podcast about comics from all angles. I'm going to talk to you about what I'm reading and doing in the industry, as well as interviewing some of my friends and favorite creators. So come along with me on this journey into geek culture. On today's show, we come to you straight from the dog park with special guest and co-writer of the enormously successful podcast, Welcome to Night Vale, Jeffrey Craner. Plus, sex criminals, gay astronauts, and witches. Let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. Look at us. Only two weeks between episodes. Are you proud? Um, I got back from another trip to California. When am I not there? And uh, am in the middle of approximately 700 deadlines right now. But I come to you with this, a new episode of Less Than Live. Um, recently out is Scissorhands number seven. This is stuff from me because I got to plug it because you're already listening. <laughs> Edward Scissorhands number seven is out. Um, so we're about halfway into or two issues, I guess, into the second arc of the series. And uh, it's uh, starting to get a little creepy. So definitely look at that. I think it's really, really beautiful. Um, Drew and Ricky are just killing it on the art in this series. So good. Um, I forgot to talk about it last time, but at TCAF, which is coming up very soon, uh, the second weekend in May, um, Ink for Beginners is coming out, which is a book that I am doing with Big Planet and Retrofit Comics. And that is going to be a 28-page um, comic guide to getting tattooed. Uh, I worked on it for a while. You know, it's something that I've been wanting to do and especially more, um, it's, I mean, it's like Cater Die. It's like my web comics in that, you know, I'm writing and drawing it and it's sort of me talking to you, uh, <laughs> through a little draw and avatar of myself. So, uh, it is by no means comprehensive, but I think it hopefully is a guide, especially for younger people who are interested in getting tattooed, not sure about the process or, you know, just want a little, um, a little extra help, I guess. I don't know. Advice? Guidance from somebody who is very heavily tattooed, as I am. You may not know this from listening to my voice, but I have a lot of tattoos. <laughs> I guess you wouldn't know. I could look like anything, right? Um, but yes, uh, I have a lot. And so I did this comic uh, book, and that is going to be debuting at TCAF. It's going to be at, uh, that's the Toronto Comic Arts Festival, by the way. And that's going to be at both the Retrofit table and at my table. So you should come see me with Tapatico. I'm probably going to be on the second floor. Um you can also buy that on Retrofit's website. You can buy it at Big Planet Comics. You can pre-order it on Amazon now, which is awesome and not a thing that I'm used to. So that's really cool. It's only $4. You should do it. Um, also announced this week was the variant cover I'm doing for Sex Criminals, <laughs> which I will talk to our guest later in the show about. Um, <laughs> I can't really tell you what it's of because it is a secret cover um but i did it with paulina ganisho and uh yeah you can pre-order it through image it comes out july 22nd and um you don't see what it is until you buy the comic it comes in a poly bag uh because it's it's really dirty <laughs> i don't know what else to tell you about that um but you should you should pre-order it because it's going to be great um not a whole lot other than that. It is one of those times uh, in every young writer's life when everybody needs a script this week. Uh, we have a really long interview in this episode with uh, Jeffrey Craner, who is one of the writers of Night Vale, co-creator as well. Um, 
Welcome to Night Vale. If you don't know, which would be crazy because you're listening to a podcast and Night Vale is king of podcasts. Uh, Night Vale is a radio play style show about uh, the fictional town of Night Vale, um, narrated by Cecil Baldwin, who plays Cecil Palmer. The uh, he's a he's a radio host playing a radio host. Uh, <laughs> I'm only just now realizing how difficult it is to describe Night Vale. Um, it is a sort of Lovecrafty Twin Peaks uh, style town told like like Wobegon um, about, you know, the goings on in this bizarre, supernatural kind of horrific town. So Jeffrey is one of the writers and he's coming up on later on the show to talk to me about comics, touring, etc. cetera. Uh, but for now, since we talked so much, let's get right to the stuff I've been reading. <laughs> What is Kate reading? What am I reading now? What is Kate reading? What am I reading now? Unlike our last episode, uh, only two weeks have passed. So there was a reasonable amount of comics to come out that I could actually keep up on, which is nice because um, last time I was sort of diving through the giant pile of issues to be like, what, what did I, what did I read? What year is it? Um, But yeah, a a very reasonable amount of comics came out and um, a couple of new things that I really liked to point out and a few others that just continue uh, to be great. Um, Squirrel Girl uh, just uh, came out. um, I think there are what, four issues in now? And um, that's Ryan North, uh, Chris uh, Garuso, uh, Erica Henderson, and Rico Renzi doing that one. And uh, it's Squirrel Girl, uh, you know, versus Galactus. I don't really know what else to tell you. Uh, it's great. <laughs> it remains incredibly funny. And alongside uh, Howard the Duck, is uh, those are probably my favorite comics right now, or Marvel comics, anyway. Um, so good. So much fun and so silly um captara just started this week uh speaking of howard the duck uh, and its writer chip zdarsky um captara is something that uh chip has been working on for a long time it's a new series from image it's drawn by kagan mcleod and um uh, i think becca kinsey did some coloring on it and that is he's he's saying yeah I'm going to talk about it again later in the episode, um, but uh, it's it's a gay-ish saga. <laughs> it's uh, it's just a really cool uh, new space comic that has a really interesting diverse cast and uh, is a lot of fun. And it's cool to see Chip uh, doing sort of um, a written creator-owned thing, a series for Image, because he does so much great, hilarious work on Howard the Duck and then in so many of the visuals and sex criminals. So yeah, you know, Captara, check it out. Um Southern Cross number two just came out. That's Becky Cloonan, Andy Belanger, and Lee Lowridge doing the colors on that. Um, this one is really cool. Uh, I got really confused when I picked up both Southern Cross and Southern Bastards. Very different comics. <laughs> Southern Bastards is still very good, and I'm still really liking it. But Southern Cross is a new one um, from Andy and Becky that is a cool sort of sci-fi futuristic story about um, a girl on this spaceship that is full of dangers and trouble and who knows what's going to happen um set off to find uh something and find out sort of what happened to her sister and uh it's really cool there's some amazing visuals andy is just like knocked out of the park with all these crazy metal um 
space station things. There's like diagrams and stuff on it. There's a whole issue that has this sort of almost like side scroller uh, staircase thing. It's very hard to describe, but it, you should definitely check it out. Um, love that Becky Cloonan is doing more writing. I think she's awesome. And uh, I've always loved her self-published stuff. And now with this in Gotham Academy, it's just really, it's really cool. I like seeing, it's the same with Captara. Like I love seeing all these illustrators um, writing stuff now. I love when people just do different things. It's it's pretty basic, but (laughs) check out Southern Cross. It's very, very good. Um, Also out uh, this week from IDW was uh, Infinite Loop, which is a comic that a bunch of people uh, I know, especially in the Valkyries, were talking about and were excited for. And um, uh, it's by Pierre Cullinet and Elsa Charitier, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, And it is uh, the story of a girl who is sort of set to stop uh, anomalies and tinkering with and terrorism in time travel. So that one is a really cool concept, but it is also, uh, and it states it pretty heavily sort of in the back matter of the issue, that it is about um, the complexities and difficulties of uh, same-sex relationships. Um, so I'm, I'm fairly certain that the main character is she's queer or gay, um, and that's really cool. I like it a lot. Um, I found the expressions on the character didn't change very much, but... Um, there's so much potential in it, and it's a really, really cool story. The dialogue's really great, and um, I'm really excited to see where it's going to go because it's an interesting concept, and I like some time travel now and again, especially if it's gay time travel. I'll take it. Miss <laughs> um, Marvel came out uh, last week, the newest issue, uh, the second part of the, I think, crushed uh, storyline where uh, Kamala has a crush on a boy, which is adorable, um, from G. Willow Wilson. This one was drawn by Takeshi Miyazawa and uh, colored by Ian Herring, and that uh, is cute. It's, I mean, it's sort of dealing with teenage crushes and, and heartbreak, and uh, I love that. I love, <laughs> I love that stuff. Um, it's also the last couple of storylines have really been bringing in the Inhumans, and I think that's sort of going to be a major factor in the comic as it goes on. You know, the first couple storylines with the inventor were very you know, self-contained within Miss Marvel's world, but it's definitely becoming part of the bigger narrative and uh with the inhumans which is something that i don't know a ton about but now you know obviously i, I want to a little bit more which is what marvel wants so congratulations <laughs> um it'll be neat to see her you know facing off against uh so both some new villains and against um i think some some classic ones i, I i'm I'm so unfamiliar with the vast majority of of Marvel's expansive history, and especially when it comes to space stuff. <laughs> that I don't know. I'm a little lost, but I'm I'm having fun, and they managed to, even though they're bringing in these other characters like Medusa and like the Inhumans, um, it's still very readable for somebody like me who doesn't know all the details and know all the characters. So. Yeah, Miss Marvel, still good. Um, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina finally came out with a second issue from Archie's new Archie horror line, which is like I have—I don't think I've ever wanted to work with or for a publisher more Archie horror. That's so cool. Um, which obviously stemmed off of Afterlife with Archie and that series, and now Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and they say they've got another one in the works. I don't know what it is, but I'm very excited. Uh, so Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, a little more Lovecraftian, where Archie Horror is very much like a, a zombie story. Um, this one also deals with a lot of... I mean, it's witches, obviously. It's Sabrina, and it's witches. But uh, the character that is sort of the, the baddie that they're introducing, Madame Satan, 
she's so awesome. <laughs> and it, this this second issue is very much about who she is and where she comes from and what she wants with Sabrina. And uh, oh, it's so it's so spooky and good. And it's also set in the 50s. And so it has sort of a retro style to it, even in the the art itself. It's just so cool. And they promise that they're going to have a regular updating schedule from now on. So um, definitely check out uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina 1 and now 2 from uh, Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa and Robert Hack. Um, Roberto, I think, also writes um, Afterlife with Archie. So, yeah, it's great. Um, Lumberjanes uh, issue 13 came out and... uh, it was it made such a splash everywhere because it's sort of the origin of the Lumberjanes and uh, them on their way to camp. So that one's written by Noel Stevenson, Shannon Waters. Uh, Brooke Allen's finally back on the art, which is awesome. I love Brooke so much. Uh, and Marta Lyon doing the colors on that. And this one's so fun because you get to see how all of the different characters got to camp, what their families are like, and then they kind of have an adventure together, uh, as one might expect. And it's it's cute. Uh, the creative team, I mean, I know, you know, they, they push so much for... Um, diversity and and for interesting and and real families and a lot of that is shown and and there was definitely a reaction that i saw especially online to people being like hey this is so awesome (laughs) this is what real families are like sometimes you know single parent families and two dad families and a really uh, expansive um or really a very large mixed race family that is um they're so cute they're just so cute and sweet so uh, a lot of that's it's really great so definitely um check that out even if you haven't uh, been up to date on the Lumberjanes. It's a very cute issue. Uh, Capture Creatures, speaking of cute comics, uh, issue three uh, just came out for that and that is Frank Gibson and Becky Drystadt of Frank and Becky, the amazing painting and comics duo. Um, it is so sweet. I mean, a lot of people, obviously, it's sort of like Pokemon. That's, you know, <laughs> it is. It's about the kids capturing creatures and the creatures are these, you know, sort of animal-based magical characters. So, yeah, there's a little bit of that in there. But Frankie and Becky's style is so cool and so interesting. And it's it's fun to see them do comics because it looks very different than the, the painting that they do. But it works very well. It's super sweet. The characters are adorable. They're sort of uh, these these two kids on an island. um, you know, discovering all these creatures and what they want and um, having having adventures. So super adorable all-ages comic. Definitely give it to uh, the kid of your choice. And um, that was that was pretty much pretty much it for this week. There might have been more that I haven't read yet, but uh, I got off a red-eye flight yesterday from uh, California. So <laughs> this is what I managed. Um, check all of them out. No excuses. Read comics. Are you ready for this? Hey, you guys, listen up. One of the reasons we started making show notes on Tumblr uh, was that people are always asking where they can find out more about or buy the comics I recommend each episode. Now, I'm a comics pusher by nature and talk about all this stuff because I want you to read it. And dudes, we are making it even easier. Less Than Live, as of this episode, now has a dedicated page on Comixology. You can find it right this second at comicsology.com slash less than live. Now, you may already know this, but Comixology is a platform for buying digital comics, which you can read on your iPad, computer, or whatever other magical device I don't understand. Um, I'm 
always going to encourage you to support your local comic shop when you can. And, and I still do. And you should. But digital comics are amazing for a lot of reasons. You're still supporting the creators, but the paperless platform of it means you can get as many titles as you want. If, for instance, you don't live near a comic shop, you travel frequently, or if you, like me, have simply run out of room in your house. Also, Comixology is always having sales. Like, they've got one on right now for Eisner nominees. They're like 50% off. It's crazy. They didn't even tell me to say that. I just saw it, and it's really cool. <laughs> Other than making it easier to peruse all of my recommendations, uh, check this out. If you sign up for Comixology now, and you haven't done it before, new users can take 50% off their first order of $15 or more. That's not just the Eisner nominees. That's anything. All you have to do is use the code LETH. That's my last name, L-E-T-H. Use it at checkout in your cart uh, right well, right before you pay for everything. And yeah, 50% off. You can buy a ton of stuff. That's really cool, especially if you've been holding off on stuff like the Saga collection or, or whatever. You know, get a ton of it for cheap. Check out new comics. It's, it's really great. So yeah, going forward, you can check out comicsology.com slash less than live after every episode and pick up all the awesome stuff I'm recommending and reading, as well as stuff that our guests are going to recommend and read, because I want to put a focus on that as well. My stuff's there, too, if you feel like checking it out. But, hey, no pressure. Just read more comics, everybody. Kate's gonna interview you. Kate's gonna interview you now. She's gonna ask questions. Kate's gonna interview you. Kate's gonna interview you now. This is the interview section. So today we are talking to one of my favorite people and a fellow podcaster. Uh, this is Jeffrey Craner, who is the co-writer of uh, Welcome to Night Vale. Hi, Jeffrey. Hi, Kate. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> um, how are you? I'm doing real well. I'm, I'm up. I have, I have some coffee. I'm That's sitting at my desk. Very nice. It's a, it's a nice morning. It's a little overcast, mm -hmm. but, uh, but fair out. And you're in uh, New York, right? I am. I am in, I'm in the state of New York. Lovely. It is. <laughs> so I know that Night Vale right now is uh, on tour. Are you with them or uh, meeting up with them or are you hiding hiding out from this one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently hiding. Uh, yeah. I have been on, I was on the first part of the tour for the first couple of weeks uh, all the way up through Dallas. Yes. And then I went home um, back to New York and uh, I had a wedding to go to for my cousin. And then my, my wife, Jillian, uh, who's a choreographer and a dancer, she had a show in New York City. So I came back to watch her show. And then, mm -hmm. uh, and then I fly back to Seattle Saturday to rejoin the tour. Nice. And how long did yeah. it go after that? Oh, uh, that's a that's just right at the halfway point. So it'll okay. be another like full month. So it'll go through the end of May. May twenty first, I think is the very final show. Cool. Yeah, it is cool. Have you so you guys have been touring now for like two years? Three? Buddy well no a not year? quite uh, not quite that long. A year and a yeah. half we've been we've been actively touring. That must be so crazy. <laughs> it is really crazy. We were in 2014. January, look, uh, yeah, that's it. January 14 was the first time we went out on tour tour, like not just doing a live show, but like organizing like, hey, let's, let's go to sleep in a hotel and wake up and drive to another city in the morning and um, do another show. And so, yeah, so it's been almost a year and a half. And last year in 2014, we toured, we were away from home for about four months out of the year. So it was a really wow. intense process yeah, uh, for all imagine. of us who have been used to just living lives where we stay at home all the time. 
<laughs> and don't drive around the country. <laughs> right. a, so are you guys in a bus? Do you do a van? Are you? Do you have a giant uh, stretch limo? How does... <laughs> we do. Um, just uh, helicopters. Helicopters, That's a, right. Helicopter. We have, uh, we have a van. We have a giant sprinter van on this tour. Mm-hmm. And um, I think in the time that I've been gone from the tour, it sounds like we broke the van and had to get another van. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, we had the van for about half a day out mm-hmm. of New York City when we left on tour at the end of March. And, uh, and then suddenly like all of the sensor lights started going off in the van. Oh, great. <laughs> just like engine check, need service, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then suddenly like, then the van would just sometimes beep for no reason while we were driving it. Does this and... not seem like fairly appropriate for, <laughs> for you guys though? Yep. Like if the yep. van just... You know, start just everything went completely black for a while, and <laughs> yep. this would feel um, just right. That's pretty much it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so we're just in a giant sprinter van, and then we have a we have there's a, we have a minivan as well because there's this is a larger tour than we've taken. We we have anywhere between like eight and fourteen people on the road at any given point. Well, that was the thing that I wanted to ask about. So I've seen Night Vale live twice. Uh, yeah, uh, for which I'm very lucky, um, and I missed it in L.A. And I was there, which is the funniest oh, yeah. thing because I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, no. And I was out for, I was at karaoke the night before and a bunch of my friends were like, yeah, so we'll see you at the Nightville show tomorrow. I was like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> well, Jeremy and I already had tickets to Medieval Times. So sure. <laughs> we had to go for our fourth time. It was very important. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that was so funny. But the thing that I was wondering about it is that, you know, it is has become such a production because the first one I saw was pretty much just you guys cecil there were like a a couple guests and then the weather and i feel like it's it's expanded quite a bit since it has (laughs) we have been doing like um well so this will be the first tour that we've had john bernstein who is disparition who does all of the the bed music for all of the night veil episodes on the podcast and john's been touring with us which has been great because he's such an amazing musician, and, and it makes a huge difference from mm-hmm. an acting point of view, and I think from an audience point of view, to have the live music underneath Cecil, because John can John can take the theme, play underneath the scene that Cecil is performing, mm-hmm. but he can he can he can move it in or out of the scene along with what Cecil's doing, right? So the the, the music always sort of times out with the scene, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And when you're running canned music off of an iPod <laughs> plugged into the soundboard. It's just a, it's just a little bit less. Uh, it doesn't move quite as much with what Cecil does. So that's been really that's been really cool. And I just think it gives a a richer sound, a richer show when you have live music. Well, he played Cecil. at the New York Comic Con show that I saw. I think didn't, uh-huh. didn't he? He did. Yeah. He did. Actually, that one was really interesting because uh, when we're in New York, because John lives in New York too. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're in New York, John usually will find uh, some really amazing like singers and French horn players and all kinds of stuff <laughs> to kind of like fill out the sound. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, it is really, really cool. I just, and then in L.A. is great because we can we just know so many people well, in, yeah. in L.A. and they can just pop on and we'll have a part for them and just well, yeah, slap it into I mean, the script. Hal lives out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who else? Well, let's see. Uh, else? Jessica Nicole, who yes. plays Dana, she mm-hmm. lives out there and... Will Wheaton, who plays Earl Harlan, lives out there, so he was at the show. And uh, Molly Quinn, who oh plays gosh. the voice of uh, Faye from the Numbers episode, mm-hmm. lives out there. So we wrote a special part for her. 
so yeah, so all four of them came out to that show. Oh, and Mark Gagliardi as well, uh, who plays John Peters, you know, the farmer, uh, lives <laughs> out there. I'm so sad that I missed it. That's so awesome. I know. Because I saw, I mean, we, which one? So I saw that one and then the, the Thrilling Adventure Hour uh, mashup or sure. the first part of it that you guys did at Emerald City last year. Um, yeah. And that was John DiMaggio and Molly Quinn were there and Hal. Yep. Lovely. That's right. That's right. That was, see, that I got, I know my really stuff. <laughs> you know your stuff. <laughs> I know my Nightfall history. <laughs> um, so you guys didn't do Emerald City this year. Um, we did not. To bring it back sort of vaguely into the realm of comics, because obviously this is sort of a nebulous thing where it's a comics podcast, but you, you are a podcast podcast, yeah. Um, but also a, a comics aficionado and uh, live sort of a similar life, I think, because you guys are traveling everywhere and, and making all these appearances, which the life of a comics person is sure. very yeah, 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 yeah. akin to. So are you guys doing any any cons or things like that this year that you know of? Um, I do know of, I do know of two, we're doing two cons this year. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, we're going to do San Diego comic con, um, because we are real big fans of like independent small productions. (laughs) Yeah. Little, little like local shows Uh like San Diego comic con. And, uh, and yeah, it's a, so we're doing San Diego comic con. We're going out there through, uh, Harper perennial. Who's our publisher. Right. Um, so it'll be just Joseph and me uh, okay. going out to San Diego for that, <laughs> and then uh, excuse me, sorry, I don't I don't have a cough button on my that's, computer. The um, and then the other thing was the um, uh, GeekyCon. So Cecil and Dylan and I are going to go. Cecil, who's the narrator of the show, and Dylan, mm-hmm. who plays Carlos, the scientist on our show, mm-hmm. and I are the three of us are going to go to GeekyCon in Orlando, oh, uh, which is less of a comic con than more of a fan convention. I think that'll um, that'll suit you guys. Yeah, I think it'll too. be a lot of fun. That's and uh, our dear friend Maureen Johnson has mm-hmm. been asking us for for more than a year to come to that, and so we're like, we'll we'll do it. In- intern Listen. Maureen. <laughs> yeah, intern Maureen. Whatever intern Maureen wants, we've put her through the ringer so many times. We will do anything for intern Maureen. That's awesome. And I know it- um, uh, Cecil and Dylan are doing FlameCon in uh, New York. Yes. Which- looks like the most amazing thing i'm so i've never been so jealous of a comic con like that i can't go to it <laughs> oh are you not gonna are you not gonna be able to go to it uh well i may or may not nothing has been an- announced yet uh but i may or may not be in new york the weekend before <laughs> oh, so yeah. i i can't really make it work gotcha um I want you so badly. Everyone I love is going to be there. It's like, you know, those guys, Chris Anka and Kevin Wada. Um, and for people listening, you should go to FlameCon. It's the, I think, second weekend in June in uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, and it's the first, like, LGBT comic show. Uh, so that's going to be awesome. But, yeah, I know Cecil and Dylan are doing that. Um, but I don't know if it'll be a Night Vale thing or if they're just, like, hanging out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that, I know that uh, yeah, I know that Cecil's doing it, and I know he'll he'll be part of signings and panels yeah. and things like that but yeah I don't, I don't know the extent of it i do want to do want to go see some of that though that's i, I just thought now pull i didn't know what date it was but i'm absolutely i'm absolutely around then maybe i'll go check that I out i think it's the 11th um yeah because i i had someone come up and talk to me about it uh when i was in uh new jersey last weekend <laughs> Mm-hmm. In, in Secaucus. That's awesome. And, yeah. And uh, I was in New York for one night. I was in New York for like four hours. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was Great. very exciting. Um, but yeah, they, he was talking about it. And, you know, you get a lot of people who come up to you at shows. And I'm sure you get the same thing where people are like, hey, you should come to our show. 
you know, check out our con or check out our event or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys get a lot of that. Yeah, definitely. But he's like, yeah, it's this thing called FlameCon. And he started talking to me about it. And within 30 seconds, I went from like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, send me your email to like, oh, what? I want to be there. (laughs) That sounds so cool. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's it's in Brooklyn. I'm just looking it up here so we know. I'm not meaning to do like a plug for it, but since we got on no, the topic. No, you should do a plug for it. <laughs> it's just exciting. It's a really cool I'm thing I'm excited to for any convention that is in my city, right? Yes. Like this, that, that's, a, that's a fairly easy place for me to get to, which is way way closer to where I live than Emerald City Comic Con. Yes. As delightful oh, as uh, same here. Emerald City is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Saturday, June 13th at, in there Brooklyn, Grand Prospect Hall. But yeah, I know it looks like it's going to be really cool and they've got um, Cecil and Dylan. Every photo of Dylan is the cutest photo I've ever seen. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I it's it's been a weird experience not being on tour for the past almost two weeks, you know, about like a week and a half, and then looking at all of my looking at everyone's like Instagram and Facebook mm-hmm. feeds of of tour. And it's just really funny to see nonstop photos of Dylan yep. being supremely delightful. And so uh, he's he's absolutely he's so adorable and I just love him to death. I added him on Facebook primarily so I could look at all his pictures. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, we're friends, but sure. he's so cute. He's adorable. Um, so speaking of all of this, you guys are doing a book. Yes. You're, so you're going um, to the show with your publisher, like to San Diego. Yeah. I'm assuming. Um, so when is the book coming out and what's uh, what's the deal with it? What is what's it? The, what is the deal? Tell well, me the deal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Amazon says it's coming out October 20th, so I'm going to take them at their word. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll, yeah, it'll come out, uh, yeah, come out at the, towards the end of October. And it is, uh, it's a full-blown novel. Um, that's what we did. We decided let's write a novel. And um, it's 400 pages of new Night Vale storyline. Wow. And um, we decided early on when we were writing it, or when we were planning the writing of it, that we didn't want to do an entire, like, a 400-page episode, right? Because, right. like, 400 pages is, like, 11 hours worth of reading. And <laughs> yeah. so it seemed it seemed a little, at least, right? So it seemed a little bit weird to be like, well, I don't, I'm pretty sure Cecil's radio show isn't 11 hours long. <laughs> so um, uh, we were like, well, it doesn't make any sense to, like, have it all be in the style of the of the podcast. So we're like, right. it's a novel. Let's write a novel. So we, we, instead of uh, telling it from Cecil's point of view, um, from the radio station, we decided to keep him as a character, but tell it from Night Vale's point of view. So we picked uh, two two other characters uh, to to lead the charge, and they're tertiary characters from the show. They're not major regular characters, but uh, we said, you know, let's tell their lives. You know, let's tell the stories mm-hmm. of what's going on in their lives right now, and put them on some crazy, dangerous adventure within the realm of Night Vale and say that that's going to be the story we're going to tell. So we kind of address some of the major mysteries of the show. We deal with the man in the tan jacket, which has Ooh. been kind of an ongoing storyline. Yep. And um, we, you know, have recurring characters throughout the novel of Cecil and Carlos and old woman Josie and the Ericas. So that's mm. been a lot of fun to incorporate them, but to kind of tell it from two relatively brand new characters in Jackie Fierro and Diane Creighton. Awesome. Yeah, so it is awesome. For that. Yeah, I'm super excited because it's it gave us a chance to kind of break out of 
just telling the story through only the the medium of radio, mm-hmm. uh, medium of podcast. It gives us a chance to like put things on paper, and you can just kind of you can spend more time in a character's head, and you can spend more time developing a scene and things like that. And then also you can just spend a lot more time really developing the lore of the town and the history of a character, etc. I think that's really cool, and it's probably a really smart move because I think it's so hard to dissociate the narration of Cecil from from Cecil's voice. So mm-hmm. I think that would almost be difficult to read something that long while trying to sort of maintain that voice in your head. Right. I know that that would be like an issue for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I like, I mean, I think that's good because I had, I wasn't sure when you guys were doing it, if it was going to be like, you know, a book about the town or if it was going to be a narrative or whatever. So that's really cool. Yeah. Somebody on Twitter, when we were talking about the book, I, I we absolutely missed our calling here. But somebody was asking, somebody said that they really hoped that about, because I mentioned that it was a 400-page novel, and they said, well, I hope at page three, from pages 300 to 350 are just sheet music. (laughs) It's like we would just kick it to the weather and just have like a symphony about three quarters of the way into the book. That would be incredible. I was like, that's that's an amazing idea. Thank you, Twitter friend, for (laughs) making that point. I would love that. We dropped the ball from that, so I apologize. Well, in the next book, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you and, and Joseph Fink wrote that together, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, yeah. And about, because I remember back back in the yonder day uh, of like a year ago, <laughs> huh? you guys originally talking about that, but about how long did it take? I think it took, um, well, from inception to completion, it's taken more than a year, definitely. Um you know, I mean, right, because, like, just yesterday, I just sent off my final, like, notes on the proofreading version. So so I think we're all done with any type of editing. I think now the publisher has everything they could possibly need to put it out there except for our dedication and acknowledgments. So we still have a couple more things to do. But in terms of the novel itself, we started, we wrote, like, a proposal is what we did. We wrote, like, a 10,000-word proposal oh to the publisher and then um, that was like fall of 2013 when we put that together. And then it was like early 2014, like February, March, when we said, let's, um, let's, uh, let's actually put an outline together so we know how the book is going to end. And so we, we spent from about February to April hammering out the, the outline of the book. And then we spent probably a good two and a half months just straight out writing the first draft. So yes. all in all, the actual writing process took probably about three months, and mm-hmm. then you added another like month and a half worth of first ra- first and second rounds of editing. Um, but all in all, like we had planned out the outline and talked it through and built things that was several months in the process. So I, I think it's fair to say a little under a year. That's cool. That's yeah. crazy. It's such a. It is crazy. Such an undertaking. <laughs> it is. But listen, you know, here's the thing. Like you, you probably get this too. Like writing in serial. Like th- this is the thing that like we share with comic writers, right? Mm-hmm. Which is that you're writing a serial. You know, mm-hmm. every up, every issue, your character is the same character, just moved farther along down his or her or their own timeline. Yeah. And I think that that what's really great is is that you build out a universe and you build out these characters and it does become a little bit easier in some way to write that. Like yeah. I sort of have an idea of how Night Vale will be if I started writing a new podcast altogether. It would be a real reset button. It'd take a lot longer to write that novel because I wouldn't know the universe or the characters yet. Well, that's the thing I wondered about too because I mean, I only just got into, you know, the first the first things I did were graphic novels, so it was all <laughs> one story. 
and then it's done. Um, and then, you know, going into the writing of, of series, uh, the crazy thing about it is, you know, when I, when I started, the first thing you think of is like, okay, well, what's this first arc going to be? Like, what are we going to do for three episodes? And then after a little while, you realize like, man, I have to figure out what I'm going to do 20 issues from now or <laughs> whatever. Right. And I know that you have said a couple times that it's it's a bit of each where you're sort of like a lot of the times you don't know exactly what the next episode's going to be. And in other ways, you know what's happening a year yeah. from now. Um, how, like, is it a, is it a notes thing? Do you just, do you guys just have a giant file of like, okay, in two years, like John Peters is going to be abducted <laughs> by aliens or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, the, I'm um, sorry, you know, the farmer, the, you know, the farmer, I yeah. Mean to only the, say um, his first name. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it kind of, yeah, it does kind of go both ways. I think what will happen is, is that we'll get through kind of a big storyline. Like last year, we kind of bit, went through this giant Strex Corp Centerness Inc. Yeah. storyline and hit, hit a point where we're like, I feel this kind of resolved. There's a lot of new questions that we have to deal with. But, you know, it's a radio show. Not yeah. every day is a giant news day. So we can pace ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we we do know being... and that partially it's because it's independent and it's a podcast, you know, we're not beholden to ratings or sales or anything, which is really, really, really nice. It's a, it's a super big luxury that we have. So we can say, you know, let's, um, you know, let's take our time. Let's develop some new lore. Let's put out a thing about, you know, Angora rabbits, or let's put out a, yeah. a, a you know, a thing told in all second person point of view, a, a story about you or a story about them. Yeah. And I think, uh, can play around with that a little bit because that's, that's a cool, neat way to develop new new lore. Lot, uh, I think, for example, like Lot Thirty Seven has been an ongoing storyline in yeah. the show and something we've been talking about more late, lately. But that was originally invented in a guest written episode by Glenn David Gold, mm-hmm. uh, who's one of our favorite writers, and you know he liked our show. I don't, I don't even know if he was necessarily caught up entirely on all of the lore of Night Vale. He just wrote <laughs> an episode, right? <laughs> It was like, great, as long as we have room to write an episode that kind of stands on its own. Mm-hmm. And then that episode just so happened to create some new, you know, some some new intriguing storylines that we could play with. Well, that's kind of fun. Yeah. I like that. I like that you can have that sort of collaborative aspect to it um, when somebody else comes in. And those standalones are some of my favorite episodes, like a lot of the times. Like, I love when there's just something going on at Dark Owl Records. <laughs> right, I do too. <laughs> I yeah, love I it. Uh-huh. You know, I love the big sweeping storyline stuff, too. But some of those are I think some of that is like the most fun. It's like bottle episodes, I guess. I'm a sucker for them. Yeah, uh, I agree. Because um, it's very much like one shots in comics. I like writing those because you can do the whole thing. You just just do whatever. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that term. But yeah, that's a Yeah. Where just the episode, just the issue or the episode itself, mm-hmm. you could just pick up or read or listen to or however it is you're consuming that one storyline and it kind of stands alone is its own thing. Well, it's the same. I think it's very similar in that, you know, that's a, a lot of the time how I will get somebody into a comic and be like, you know, you can read this issue without picking up anything else. But Night Vale is sort of the same way. It's like, oh, you can listen to this episode and you don't mm-hmm. really need to know, you know. 50 plus episodes we're right. yeah. 50 plus at this point right yeah we uh 66 oh my god i'm a little behind i will be perfectly honest no uh, listen uh, no no worries uh i, I always that. say this to people when i first started doing night veil vale and making the podcast i would have friends you know and i came out of making theater producing theater yeah. producing dance things mm-hmm. like that <laughs> and um excuse me sorry the um 
but I, when I started making the podcast, I would have like close friends and family being like, oh, I, I, I haven't listened to your show yet. And I'd be like, listen, it's no big thing yeah. because <laughs> it cost me nothing for it to just sit there. Whereas when I did theater, if somebody, if I had like a one week or two week run of a play yeah. or a dance piece and somebody close to me missed it, oh my God, it was the, <laughs> the, the it was the end times of that friendship. Because, <laughs> you, you know, I have to be there for you to come see my play, right? right. I, I'm in this play. Yep. Come see the damn play. Mm-hmm. I am up on stage every night for two hours for you mm-hmm. to come see, and I'm losing $2,000 producing this thing. <laughs> Please come see it in the podcast. I'm like, I don't have to be there. You can listen to it whenever the hell you want. Yep. So it's great. I love that. I think that's very that's very true. Like I will I'm just it's so I'm I'm thinking of all these parallels now because it's like, you know, what how is it similar? But it is. I mean, um cuz I feel the same way when people are like, "Oh, I haven't read, you know, your Bravest Warriors or whatever." I'm, I'm like, I don't really care, but if people tweet at me and I, I'm sure you guys get this too, like I'll be in I don't Puerto Rico or whatever and someone tweets at me and they're like, "Oh, I'm working that day." I'm just like, I will never be here again. <laughs> like, skip work. <laughs> right, right. Come That's out, absolutely. you know? Yep. And I'm sure you guys get that, especially when you're in, because you guys travel, I mean, city to city. Like, you do a lot of not, not just like, you know, New York and L.A. and stuff like yeah. that. You're in a lot of smaller places. So I'm sure that happens. Yeah. We have a running gag because we, we or it's not even a running gag. It actually is a it's sort of a truism, which is, is that it, it never fails that after we go to a city mm-hmm. or a place that within one week we will get an email from somebody asking when we're going to come to that city. <laughs> not again, not yeah. return to the city, but be like, I just saw you're on a giant tour. Why aren't you in Philadelphia? <laughs> oh, man, we were just there a week ago. Um, I love when I see people our- ask when you're going to come to New York. Yes. That's oh my, my favorite. <laughs> New Yorkers are the worst. Um <laughs> We do so many, so many things in New York. And mm-hmm. so it's, you know, we eventually put our live shows there too. But yeah, New York has, ex- has gotten more Night Vale than any other city could possibly yeah. come close to having. Uh, when we were in Europe last year, it was really great. And I, I in no means mean to like belittle anybody who wants to come see our show uh, at all. Because I, th- I understand what it's like to be a fan and not necessarily like follow that musician or that artist's social media account right. close enough to know when they're doing stuff mm-hmm. but we we were flying back we were waiting at the airport in dublin to fly back home and I got like two emails in the same day of like i can't wait for you guys you guys should come to london someday i just saw you did a european tour you should come to london oh. Like, oh, no we just did four shows there oh god and it'll probably be a while before you can do that again yeah i can't even imagine the amount of uh, work that it takes to pull together a European tour. <laughs> that just must be such an undertaking. It is. You know what? The beauty of it all is having, um, living in a world now like the, of having like a booking agent yeah. over there and kind of like manage a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that was interesting about Europe, unlike American and Canadian uh, like promoters and things like that, when you go do a show at a venue was that in Europe, most of them, except the Germans, mm-hmm. uh, most of them would uh, put you up in a hotel. Like right. that was just, I mean, you're paying for it. It still comes out of your back end. Yeah. But there's something kind of nice about just already having a hotel taken care of for yeah. you. 
um, which is kind of nice. It's just another thing you don't have to mess around with in a foreign country. Yeah. And that's nice. I bet that saves a lot of hassle. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh, fancy things in this world. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> um, so normally I do this at the end of the show, but um, I'm, I'm just going to go crazy and flip it around. Please. We haven't really talked about comics yet. And uh, I, I try and keep it in the wheelhouse on account of it being a comic. You podcast. should. I, yes. I know. Right. I try and keep yes. on topic, but it's I haven't talked to you in a while. It's just nice. I know. <laughs> But I am probably going to be in in, uh, in New York in June, so hopefully I'll get to see you. Oh, I would love that. That would yeah, be great. We'll make it happen. We will. Um, but what what are you reading? What do you like? What do I like? What well, do you like? I will tell you, I, will tell you, I uh, you know, you introduced me earlier as a comic aficionado, and I appreciate that because it implies that I have some expertise in the world of comics. Yes. Uh, I love comics. I don't... I went through a long period where I wasn't reading comics. Uh, like, long period meaning like age like 20 until like mid 30s sort right. of thing. Um, but you know, it's funny because when I started in on uh, Night Vale like three years ago, I don't know, just suddenly I found a lot more like comic readers were listening to our show. And I was like, oh, this is a this is an ideal time to get back into it. And I remember mm-hmm. tweeting out pretty early in our run about like, hey, I'm trying to get into comics, get back into comics. Like, what should I be reading? And I remember you. Yeah, I remember me- enthusiastically responding to that. <laughs> <laughs> did which was great because you sent me some awesome stuff and um i am uh uh you sent me well you the the two you right away sent me were uh pretty st- standards which uh pretty big standards which is a uh, lock and key mm-hmm. and saga yeah and saga I, I i love lock and key it's been great uh saga i just saga has been the one i've been plowing through as much as i can i just i love it to death i think it's great it's so um good. i tried to go meet uh, I tried to go meet uh, Fiona yeah. at San Diego Comic-Con last summer, and it was uh, very difficult yes. to do, as is everything in San Diego yes. Comic-Con. Um, so, yeah, so I would say Saga is the number one thing I've been plowing through. And I um, was just with Hal Lublin and Mark Gagliardi in um, Washington, D.C. when we were all on tour together. Mm-hmm. And um, they suggested, although I will say I haven't started reading it yet, but maybe you can tell me if this is a good idea I'm or not. Sure which they had suggested a comic book, and I picked up volume one of it is Mouse Guard. Oh yeah, which sounds really fascinating. Oh, it's so delightful. I have Mouse Guard now. Yeah, uh, which is it's fantastic. really cute. David, Wait, what do David you know about Peterson, Mouse Guard? I think is yes, that's him. It is yeah. David um, it's a little bit. Did you ever read Redwall? Like I any of the, the Brian Jacks books, I sort of grew up on those, but that's that's a generational generational difference. I think they were coming out when I was in like junior high, mm-hmm. um, but it's sort of similar in that it is like Mice Warriors, um, but it's just I haven't I've read like a little. They did a free comic book day book last year. I think they actually put out a free comic book day hardcover, which is crazy because you're giving it away. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just like stories about you know mice. Warriors. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's yes. very cute, but also I think that the stories are are definitely a lot more than just like you know talking animals, uh, which I enjoy stuff that's a little deeper in that yeah. in that way. But it's beautiful. Like I've seen a lot of the art, and um, I think Becky Cloonan actually just did a mouse guard story. I don't know if it's out yet, but she was posting uh, pictures on her Instagram. Oh, cool! Which looks amazing because yeah, she's the, so great. The art was really it was really gorgeous mm-hmm. in the book. I love the diversity of the styles that's ha- that was happening in the, the volume I picked up. And then, yeah, and there's also the, uh, I don't know, I'm a sucker for, <laughs> sucker for like anthropomorphic 
heroes. That's oh great. man, have you read Black Sad? I have not. I will oh, write this down. Jeffrey, you will love Black Sad. It's so Black good. Sad? Black I'm, Sad. I'm yeah. Okay. Black S A D. Um it's uh it was originally um, published, I think, in, in French. It's a European comic. Okay. Um, so if that, uh, that'll entice you even more. <laughs> awesome. But, um, yeah, it's a story about um, – it's all, like, anthropomorphic animals, uh, but it's drawn by a guy who used to work for Disney. Um, and I'm going to try and look up his name because I always pronounce it wrong. Um, it's uh, Juan – Juan Juanjo Juanjo Gardino. See, this is terrible. Is why I don't want to say it. Uh, J U A N J O Gardino is the artist, and it's written by John Juan Diaz Gonzalez and okay. Canales. See, this I'm really bad at pronouncing people's names, <laughs> so I try sure. never to do it uh, on the air. <laughs> but here we are. You can listen to me stumble. Um, but if you look up Black Set, it's basically uh, a cat who is a, a detective. It's very film noir, and uh-huh. uh, it's really cool because it's all you know humanized animals but their personalities so much fit what animal they are um and it deals with some really serious stuff like it's not a kid's comic at all um Uh you know there's a whole issue about basically uh a race war (laughs) that is like all these you know all the there's like polar bears and white tigers are you know these sort of white supremacist characters uh, and stuff like that so it's a really interesting confluence of this very Disney-esque style, like you could picture it being a, a Disney movie, like, you know, but it's definitely a lot darker. So I think you should, you should definitely Oh, nice. I will so check good. that out. It's so good. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, I get, no, <laughs> this is my I, problem. Listen, I'm, a pusher. I'm happy to take off that. I feel like that's, that's how I'm getting all of my comics is, is that I have to meet somebody who either mm-hmm. makes that comic or I need to have somebody whose opinions I greatly trust. And you, are batting a thousand <laughs> Thank you. In suggestions. So Thank you. anything you tell me to read, I will probably read. Well, um, it's the retail thing for so many years is you, you start to get to, you hear a couple of titles and you're like, oh, well, I know if you like that, you'll like yeah. this. And it's always much easier when you are already reading all of the things that uh, I have recommended and you sure. like them. So it's like, well, I also like that. Um, I also would say that I am, I would say, that's a weird way to intro that. Um, I have been... Um, I've also been uh, really in love with sex criminals, and I'm looking forward to your cover. Oh my god! Did you draw a cover? Is that what happened? I did. That I, saw? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I drew it, and Paulina uh, Ganesho, who was on our last episode, colored it for me. And I thought they were going to release the image online when they solicited it, but I guess you don't get to see it until you buy the comic. Oh, um, it comes in a hot pink poly bag. Okay. <laughs> so you don't see it until you open it. Oh, Which man. makes sense because it's fairly graphic. Sure, sure. <laughs> but yes, uh, Sex Criminals is is the best. Oh God, yeah, it's great. I I I've really really uh, I've really admired how they have evolved that premise too. Because that mm-hmm. premise is so funny and so bizarre, and at its heart, sort of sophomoric. And but at this, but I don't know. They they really they've really elevated. The storytelling, especially just in the relationship and the, mm-hmm. in the in the in the principal relationship on that, I almost said on that show in that in that comic. Mm-hmm. I just I think it's a, such a smart, such a really mature and interesting comic. I love it. I think that you know, yeah, it's 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 changed so much. And I honestly was wondering just yesterday, you know, if they if the tone of the comic was at the beginning what it is now. I don't think it would have had that same sort of explosive, like, 
by this right. reaction because it's gotten very serious in certain ways. Yeah. It's quite dark. Yeah. Um, you know, dealing with therapy and dealing with you know, a medication and, and emotional issues and difficulties and sex and relationships. And that's the stuff that I, you know, I love that. I love that it deals yeah. with it. Um, and you sort of, and, and I think what's really great is, is by setting it up as funny and over the top and uh, so sort of surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have that wild sense of humor and the, just kind of the, the crazy bright colors of the early, you know, the early issues. And yeah. as it's, you know, and I, there was a distinct tonal change where we went a little bit more monochromatic and it was, I just think that was a really beautiful shift. And, but I think you sort of like build up that everyone that like, listen, we're going to deal with some really heavy ennui here, yeah. but at the same time, like you, you sort of trust that they're doing it in a way that you know that they have your best interests at heart. They're not just trying to be depressing yeah. and write a, a, a broody relationship saga. Yeah. Like they really do have a, a great sense of humor and, and a really, really sharp balance. And I think that it's a thing that I could totally see it, you know, taking an upswing, you know, the next arc being lighter or whatever. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I think they have the room to do that. Uh, and I mean, even when it is quite sad, there's still, you know, background jokes all over right. it, the place. Yeah. Did you have have you got up to the episode where they're in a, a bookstore? Because I don't know. <sighs> I, I think I'm two issues behind. Okay. Is where I, I think it was now. maybe the most recent one or the second most recent one that okay. they're in a bookstore and they're having like a semi serious conversation. But the titles on the books. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. The titles on the books and there's like a hundred in each panel. It's crazy. Chip said it pretty much made him lose his mind when he found when Matt asked him to draw a bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But it's really great. That's so awesome. It's so good. And yeah, and Chip uh, is doing, he's writing two comics now on top of doing that. So it's crazy. He just started, uh, or I don't know if he just started, but it just came out of Howard the Duck. Yeah, they're, f- two, they're two, two issues ish, in. Two issues in? Okay. Yeah. What's his other, what's the other thing uh, He doing? just started one uh, called Captara that okay. is actually drawn um, by Kagan McLeod. So they're both from Toronto, which is cool. Oh, cool. Uh, I, I love I love Canadians collabing. What can I say? Yes. Um, but they're they're touting it or pitching it as gay saga. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, it's just the first issue actually came out uh, this week. And um, I talked to Chip about it at Heroes Con last year where he was they were just sort of getting it together. So, it's you know, it's that crazy long distance between when you first come up with an idea and when it's actually printed. Yeah. Um, but it's through image, uh, same as, as Sex Criminals. And uh, it's about uh, a crew going into space and, uh, you know, something bad happens. And one of the characters or the main character so far crash lands on a planet um, that's very He-Man-esque. Uh, uh-huh. but it's, it's funny and weird. It's very diverse cast. I think they, they really, you know, pushed for that. It's very noticeable, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of muscle dudes. <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> awesome. like sexy space muscle dudes and, uh, I don't know, it's fun. I'm interested to see where the story is going to go. It doesn't tell you a whole lot in the first issue, but it's cool and it's beautiful. Kagan's artist is just gorgeous. So, oh, that's great. You know. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's fun. Oh, I'm, glad, I'm glad Chip's writing stuff, too. He's got such a great sense of humor. Yeah, he's hilarious. I, I have followed him on Twitter for a long time and mm-hmm. on uh, Tumblr. And I think he's, I don't know if I'm on Tumblr. I don't know. I don't pay as close attention to Tumblr <laughs> as I do Twitter. But I do follow him on Twitter, and I think he's hilarious. He's really great. Yeah. Kate Leff plus Chip Zdarsky on Twitter is one of my favorite <laughs> things in the entire world. 
I love how many people will like just follow our. I can tell when Chip and I start talking to each other, and I see this happen to you and and Joseph too,、uh-huh. where it's like once he and I start a conversation, there's like 15 people favoriting each tweet,、right. so they're just like、right. watching us. It's so weird. <laughs> it's such. I, a I weird think、thing. Joseph and I spent one. What's really funny is when we're on tour, Joseph and I will be like. In rooms right next door to each other,、mm-hmm. and it'll be like、uh, midnight, and we're both watching Chopped on the <laughs> Food Network and just live tweeting the event and back、yep. and forth with each other, which is a lot. Of fun. <laughs>、um, okay, I was going to say the other the other comic that I recently started reading, which is this will kill any if I had any level of indie cred, this probably kills it. But I、um, I started reading.、Um, I started reading. I picked up the first three issues. I think there are four now of the new of the Star Wars reboot.、Mm-hmm. I have actually not read that.、Um, can I tell you a really? And again, this is no judgment on anybody else. This is just my personal opinion, and、yeah. I generally keep it very quiet. But it does relate to this.、Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is my controversial stance in that I do not like Star Wars at all. Okay. I don't really either. <laughs> okay, good. So I, I feel, you're in a safe、oh. space here. <laughs>、oh, I'm not、good. sure about everyone listening to it who just like took off their headphones and threw them across the room, and will <laughs> never listen to Night Vale or Lesson Live ever again. I mean, I it's not. I, I'm not like you know passionate about it. I'm not going to go. I don't go、uh, stand on college campuses on a on a <laughs> on a box <laughs> screaming about how terrible Star Wars is. That's the thing. I don't think it's terrible. I just don't. Love it the way that people、yeah. love Star Wars. Like I will watch it. I think it's good. It's just not, you know, it's just not my thing. Exactly. You know, the only when I worked for when I was performing with the the neo futurists in New York, where we, you know, we wrote our own plays and performed our own short plays, and so、mm-hmm. I was on stage quite a bit. And I did a lot of plays that were political or brash or、uh, confrontational. And I I have only once ever been booed by an audience <laughs> and actually had people throw they. Wadded up their programs and threw them at me, not in a melodrama sort of way, but in a way of like I genuinely pissed them off, and it's basically made a comment in a monologue that I just thought Star Wars was overrated, <laughs> <laughs> and I said it in much harsher terms than that. But it、yeah. it really I don't know. It was really interesting that I was like, wow, of everything I've ever said, this is what got people going. I have had that so, happen at the comic book store too. When I was still working there, there was a day when. People, we there was a trailer, an announcement for something. It's like a year ago, and I was just like, you know, I I love the Lord of the Rings trilogy the way people love Star Wars. Like,、uh-huh. I love it. I've watched it a hundred times. I've seen the extended editions. You know, I, I watch all the appendices, and and like, I think they're amazing. I don't feel that way about Star Wars. I think it's okay. And like, these customers in the store were just like. <laughs> How dare you! Can't work here. And I was just like, "This is a comic book store. This has nothing to do with Star Wars." You know? <laughs> I happen to like a different trilogy of、uh, movies that only have one female character. So, you know, whatever. It's fine. Sure, it's fine. Yeah. Well, I picked up the comic book because I last in December I was at you know John Hodgman. John、yes. Hodgman was doing his Secret Society show in. New York City,、mm-hmm. and、uh, I ran into Mark Gagliardi of Night Vale and Thrilling Adventure Hour fame. And Mark was standing outside talking to、uh, a couple, and he introduced me to them. And it was uh, uh, Jordan White and his wife, and they were super delightful. And I sat next to them.、Mm-hmm. And Jordan White is an editor at Marvel, and he's the editor of the Star Wars comic book.、Oh, cool. So I was like, "Oh, all right, congratulations to you, my friend." And、um, <laughs> 
But he, yeah, they, they were just such delightful people. And we talked about board games and as well as Star Wars and Marvel and things like that. And I was just like, well, what a, what a really amazing thing to be able to sit next to these people. And, um, anyway, so I, uh, yeah. So I don't know. While I was out on tour, I was in a comic book store near one of our, there was a, ho- a comic book store right across the street from one of our hotels. So I went nice. across there and bought those issues. And I don't know, they're, they're fairly enjoyable so far, right? I, I, let's just hit the reboot on the whole thing, even for me. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's what we've, Marvel and Disney have hit the reboot just for me. So I can see it all fresh with fresh eyes. And um, maybe I'll, I'll like it better this time. Have you seen the, uh, the trailer for the new one? I have. How did you feel about it? Um, yeah. You know, I, I think <laughs> I think the same thing that bothers me about the trailer is what's always bothered me about the movies, which is that I think you had a whole generation, especially people my age, right? Like people kind of in their mid-30s to early 50s who grew up when those movies were, were coming out at the theater. Mm-hmm. And I think that they also grew up with all the action figures, just a standard fare at every toy store in the mall and stuff. And so... I've always felt that we love Star Wars because we're nostalgic for it, mm-hmm. right? There's a special type of love that comes with nostalgia. For example, the I think objectively speaking, that Les Miserables movie that came out a few years ago was a terrible film. It was really but bad. I <laughs> grew up with Les Mis, and I, if I watch that, I will find myself singing along and crying right. because it's so amazing. Because the nostalgia of growing up listening to Les Mis really moves me in a way that it doesn't matter what they did with that film as long as mm-hmm. everybody is or most people besides Russell Crowe are on key, then we're fine. <laughs> and it's it's great. You know what I mean? I think that's what we do with Star Wars. Like our nostalgia makes us think it's awesome. But I, I, think- I don't know. I feel like as an adult when I've watched even the original 1970s and 80s films, I'm like, wow, this is these are kids' movies. That's why we like them so much. Yeah, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, no. obviously nostalgia is one of the biggest sellers in you know, geek culture right now, yeah, I mean, culture in general, like it's crazy. Everything is, you know, the 80s all over again, um, yeah. which is is good in some ways and, and you know, bad in others. But yeah. I, I, I was intrigued by the trailer just because uh, of the three sort of main characters they presented. There was not a white dude. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, this is kind of okay. cool. Because that was always... My problem is even as a kid when those movies were for me, you know, and even so many of my friends, so many girls love Star Wars and like I would never take that from anybody. I have always been the kind of person that if there's not a female character that I can identify with, except somehow Lord of the Rings has like (laughs) moved aside from that because fantasy for me, I'm such a sucker for. So it works Uh anyway. But you know, if there wasn't a girl I could really latch onto and identify with, I had a hard time really loving it. Like, I could like it, but I wouldn't love it. And, yeah. you know, Princess Leia was always like, I mean, she's cool, but sure. I wish there were more different characters. So, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping there will be more in this movie. And since Lupita Nyong'o and Gwendolyn Christie are in it, I just hope they're really cool. Yeah. If they're really There's cool, no then I will be into it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping for the best. Like, I'm hoping that the reboot has this kind of are of like taking it out of George Lucas's hands, right? That of somebody who was not interested in representation of somebody who was not even interested in, in acting or character development. You know, he was interested (laughs) in plot to move for the next big, (laughs) next big fight scene forward or the next cool looking planetary landscape type of thing. Yeah. um, Yeah. 
Yeah. And obviously, well, I take it back. He was very interested in representation when he created Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> that was a super <laughs> delightful and very culturally sensitive Definitely character. not racist at all. Definitely not. Oof. Oh, boy. That was a time, right? That was, <laughs> that a, time was a time in our lives <laughs> when those movies came out. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I'm going to get all sidetracked now. Uh <laughs> Well, I do. I do kind of, and this is sort of going against what I just said, but I do kind of want to read that Princess Leia comic because uh, a lot of people have said it's actually really good because that came out sort of alongside the new Star Wars because there's a Darth Vader one and that Kieran Gillen's writing and a Princess Leia. Yeah, well. I'm really interested in that too. Mm-hmm. That I, I've only read the, I've only picked up the first three Star Wars just yeah. title comics, but I, I did notice at the store that they had the Leia and the, and the Vader comics too. So I'm, I'm sort of curious about how they're tying those universes in. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I will definitely check it out because they were doing a Star Wars comic when they relaunched it and like a while back and Brian Wood was writing it. I checked out the first issue and I was just like, you can't read this without knowing everything about the movies. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I there's I totally understand that, but it's I can't ever. I'm so annoying around nerds because I'm just like, which one is Luke? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> is he... What's he do? Yeah. I'm the worst. And my brother is such an insane, uh, hardcore Star Wars fan. Like, he's got tattoos, and he has this whole Star Wars den in his house. So I'm, like, the shame of the family. Wow. (laughs) Because I'm only kind of into it. Sure. And in nerd culture, man, you are not allowed to be just kind of into something. You either love it or you hate it. It's weird. Riding that fence. It is. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I have just a couple of questions that I was asked uh, from Twitter and on our Patreon. Do you do you mind if I pose them to you? I would love to be posed questions. All right, we'll do it. Um, I'm going to probably mangle some pronunciations again, but uh, Joey Grzecki asked, um, I'm just going to read this from his question because uh, I can't paraphrase it. Uh, it says, the last time I read an interview with Messrs. Take uh-huh. that as you will. Uh, Craner and Fink. They recommended Yoko Ogawa's Revenge and Marisha Pessie's Night or uh, Pessels. Pessel, uh, yeah. Pessel, there we go. Uh, Night film. Are there any other dark and spooky books that you would recommend? This oh, can include that's... comics. I mean, we already talked about Lock and Key, but. That's a really good question. Um, really good spooky books to recommend. Um, I'm a bad person to ask for this because as much horror as is. Night Vale is inspired by, I am definitely not the horror reader as <laughs> Joseph is. Right. Um, so I may not give you any dark and spooky books, although those are two good ones. Um, uh, let's say this. I would recommend, uh, here's what I would recommend. I would recommend going and if you haven't watched uh, all of Twin Peaks, and this is this is a seriously <laughs> uninspired thing, but I really think I really think there's two things I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna say now that that I that I just love and I could watch over and over again. One is one is uh, is David Lynch's Twin Peaks movie Firewalk with Me. That movie's incredible. I think again, most people <laughs> will tell you, and I'm not gonna disagree with them that it is not a good movie. But I will tell you this: that there are so many inspirational things in that film. There's so many moments of that film that I call back on constantly when I think of of, of Night Vale. And Joseph yeah. and I had this one really long conversation about why David Lynch is scary because <laughs> he doesn't really adhere to horror. But David Lynch's characters, and there are moments and characters be, that behave 
in a way that you do not expect. Yeah. And sometimes that's the core of horror, right? When something mm-hmm. is not quite right. It's not being attacked by, by a knife-wielding maniac that is this frightening. Like, that is primally terrifying. But the actual core of horror is being in a room thinking there might be a maniac with a knife. And this I is- think that that's what... That's what David Lynch sets up in almost every scene yeah. is something happening that you just cannot explain. And it's also and, like uh, that that dread, too, of even parts of the show where, like, nothing is really happening. But, like, mm-hmm. Laura Palmer's mom, that actress, is just terrifying. Right. Like, any scene she's in, you're just like, what is she going to do? Like, yes. Like, just she can just be walking down a staircase and her eyes are going in 17 different directions. You're just like, what's... What? What? Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely it. And um, the, the scene I was thinking of from... It's actually not from Twin Peaks, but from Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where the, the director... Um, you know, the, the young, hip director who's now married to Jennifer Aniston in real life, uh, that guy, he's going back to his house and he gets there and he sees that there's the uh, the pool cleaner's truck mm-hmm. is in the driveway, but he's not out at the pool. And yeah. so it's setting up the classic trope of the husband getting home to find his wife sleeping with the yeah. pool man or the milkman or the post postal yeah. worker, whatever. But he gets home and then he's walking through the house and it's dead quiet. Like you don't even hear the sound of like lovemaking or whatever in the in the bedroom. Yeah. And he gets in and then he opens the door to the bedroom. And it's not that he catches them in the act of of making love. He they're both just sitting up in bed staring at him. Oh. And it's a really terrifying moment. And they both neither of them are guilty at all. They're both like, you should leave. And it's, <laughs> it, that to me is like not just horror, not from a male like, oh, I've been cuckolded point of view, but from yeah. a point of view of like somebody who's just walked in on a situation like, this is not how this is supposed to be happening. Yeah. And I, I just think that I think he gets it. I think that's really amazing. It's so funny because I was having this exact conversation with my boyfriend Jeremy last night about um, a scene from Joe Hill's Heart Shaped Box that is just like there's a, that is a ghost book. Um, and so it deals with possession a lot. Mm-hmm. And possession in some ways, I mean, is a thing that always I find very spooky because it is that it's people acting in ways that, you know, you don't expect. But there's a scene in the book and. I mean, it's pretty graphic, so I'm not going to describe it <laughs> intimately. Yeah. But there's a character where she is doing something that, you know, earlier in the book had been very much like, oh, that's that's disgusting. Like, how could you do that? And at the same time is like holding a gun to her head. And it's obviously the ghost is controlling her, but she's so like calm. And it's it's not that like as soon as he walks in, he breaks her out of it. She just stays in that place, and it's mm-hmm. so scary because yeah. you just because you're so used to that, you know, a character being weird. But as soon as someone is like shakes them out of it, but it doesn't work, you know, they just it stays. Yeah. Ugh, I love that. <laughs> I would. Um, I'll I'll throw out one more because I feel like I I I I, um, I shortchanged Joey in his question by giving him David Lynch, which is something he probably already knows about. But I would say the other uh, director is this really great Swedish director named Roy Anderson mm-hmm. with two S's in Anderson. And Roy Anderson made, um, he made two of my favorite films of all time. One is called Songs from the Second Floor and the other is called You, the Living. And he also has another one coming out. I'm going to look it up just to make sure I get the uh, title just right, but it's one of my favorite movie titles. I haven't seen it yet. It is called A Pigeon Sat on a Branch Reflecting on Existence. <laughs> And he is great because he, unlike, he's very Lynchian in setting up scenes that are 
are dry and dark and confusing and strange. Although I think he has a much more overt sense of humor about it all, Mm -hmm. um, even as dark as as it is. And most of his scenes are just like set tableaus of odd conversation or odd moments and kind of like surreal beauty. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, so I would would say if you can find anything by Roy Anderson – um, he has a, 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 a shit ton of, can I say that? Maybe yeah, he has a yeah, lot of great. We swear um, on our podcast. Oh, yay. Um, <laughs> you can let I, loose, I, man. I do this. Yeah, he has a shit ton of, uh, if you just go to YouTube and look up Roy Anderson yeah. commercials, you will find a whole bunch of really amazing amazingly funny and weird Swedish TV commercials that Roy Anderson made and his movies carry that exact same kind of like modularity, like little short scenes, not like an overarching um, central plot. It's just a series of weird scenes in a universe. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something kind of night Valian about that too. The idea of like, you know, this is ultimately all about this town or it's all about this world that we're in. It's not necessarily, about one arc it's about these day-to-day events happening in all these characters lives cool I like yeah that. um i will move on to our next question please um uh, adam martin asks which famous sci-fi or horror or comics uh character would you most like to see visit night vale i would say <laughs> or even like could you see visiting night vale who <laughs> who would fit other than obviously all of the characters from twin peaks oh that's <laughs> That's a really, really good question. Um, yeah, I've, I've gotten a couple of these lately where it's it's um, putting somebody into asking, like somebody asked us recently, like, what would you do if you found yourself a citizen of Night Vale? Like, what or a, a, a tourist in Night Vale? I'm like, I would hide under a rock. Yeah, just <laughs> so scream. I, just scream home. and scream. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, actually, I, I actually know the answer to this, which is I would love to have Lying Cat visit a <laughs> Cecil studio booth just for an entire show. Just to be there, just to say. I would give Lion Cat headphones and a microphone and just wait for all of the commentary following every Cecil story. Just, but seeing as the only word he can say is lying. Yes, yes. <laughs> that would be good. That would be really good. Oh, I love Lion Cat so much. I like you that. have a Lion Cat t-shirt and I, I want one so badly. They are like, it's the only piece of merch that Saga has ever made. And they sold out at an unbelievable level and, like, never made more. It's so crazy. I found a bunch of them at Austin Books and Comics, actually. They had a a bunch. Um, They came on white and black, but obviously everyone bought black. Um, So I think they still have some there. But, yeah, I don't don't even know where you can get them anymore. It's crazy. I'm going to use my Delta miles to fly myself to Austin and go buy one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Go hit up Texas. Just I'm, I'm not even going to call the bookstore and just say, hey, can I order one? Have you ship it to me? I'm going to no. fly down and get it myself. <laughs> that seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, our last question, because we did get a lot of uh, very similar uh, questions to things that I, I know you've answered before. And as a person who is frequently interviewed, I try not to ask those, what's your inspiration? Questions, because uh, I hate them. <laughs> but uh, Nick Bungay asks, uh, are there any plots that were developed early on that even you or Joseph thought were too far out there or too weird to do on the show? Oh, interesting. Like uh, plots that we may not have ever actually put on this show yeah. because they were so crazy. Or just stuff that we put out there and didn't develop because it was too nutso to... I think either one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I like the idea of stuff that was scrapped. You know, it's funny. There's there's not been anything that we've put on the show that we've been like, oh, that's too nutso to develop. There's been a lot of stuff we've thrown out 
mm-hmm. that I don't know, like, you know, there's stuff that we've written into the show that just kind of felt like a one-off joke mm-hmm. and sort of in the end was a one-off joke, right? Like nobody is like, nobody is like, whatever happened to those pteranodons or whatever? Like, that, I don't know, <laughs> it was a one-off thing. Uh, we we occasionally call back to it. I think in the book, there's a joke referencing the pteranodons that come in around episode four. Um and they kind of tie into the larger issue of like time and space in Night Vale being something weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always an ongoing plot point. But that was something that was like, I don't know, there's no reason necessarily to pursue that. Um, I, don't think there's nece- I don't think there's anything that we felt was too out there not to pursue. There have been a couple of ideas that we have not put on the show yet. Um, I have one in particular, and I wish I could tell you what it is mm-hmm. on your podcast, but I will tell it to you offline someday. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I have one that is a pretty wild idea, and I've been reluctant to do it because, one, it's a lot of work, and I'm yeah. always reluctant to do a lot of work. <laughs> and two, I think it would be a very polarizing thing to do. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to steer clear of it for a little while, and mm-hmm. eventually I'll... Uh, I'll put it out there just out of the blue one day and and then shut down my Tumblr and my Twitter account for a couple months. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet that you probably have some pretty uh, vehement fans <laughs> about certain things, issues. It is, it is interesting, though, because we do talk quite a bit about before we make major plot points about what we're going to do with something. Because we yeah. do talk ourselves out of plot lines because, we you know, we want to be... You know, we want to be inventive and different all the time. You know, you can't avoid having tropes and standard plot lines and archetypes in your show. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just always going to be there. You have to follow some form. But we're always trying to subvert those when we do develop a major plot line. And and so I think there's some times where we find ourselves going a certain direction with a character. And we want to just be careful not to do a certain thing. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think... uh, so so Cecil and Joseph and I will sit and talk about things and uh, about like, you know, let's not develop the character this way because I think that could be actually, I think that could be really boring because everyone's done that over and over again. Mm-hmm. Or I want to be careful. You know, we talk constantly about the Cecil and Carlos relationship. Yeah. You know, you just, you want to be very careful with that because while you want the freedom as a writer to do whatever you want with a relationship, you know, I want to be able to, I want to be able to have them spend their lives together. I want them to, um, uh, have kids together, or I want them to break up, or I want them to go through a hard time, or I want, you know, there's mm-hmm. any number of things a relationship can go through. But you want to be very careful, right? Because a gay couple in, you know, in in the media is oh, yeah. is, is, is is a delicate thing. There's, there's so many fewer of them in, yeah. a, you know, lead characters. So you want to be careful that what, you, what you're writing not only represents something you as a creator want to do, but also isn't being harmful to an entire group of people by falling into the same traps that every straight writer has fallen into in the history of television and storytelling. And you know? I, do, I do like that you guys are so conscious of that. And it's a thing that I've thought about while listening to the show as well, because, I mean, as a person who grew up, you know, really wanting for stories with queer relationships in them, um, it is true that so much of what you get is tragic. You know, if, mm-hmm. if there's a gay couple, one of them dies or one of them turns straight or, you know, that's just genuinely in any lesbian movie, someone dies or turns straight. <laughs> yeah. It's generally how it ends. <laughs> right. Very rarely do they ride off into the sunset together. Right. Um, but I do think, you know, what what has been going on in the show is an interesting way of, of playing with it. But while not, you know, outright being like destroying both of them. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, and you want to put a relationship through a hard time because you like the relationship, you know? Yes. And, and if I think if the relationship was always sunny, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a realistic depiction of, of any kind of couple, gay or, or, or straight or however you want to define couplehood, you know? And I mm-hmm. think that's of a, you know, I think everyone, you know, you... I've had this in my life in the last year being on tour and, you know, I have had many times where I've been in long distance relationships and you have this yourself, right? Oh, yeah. uh, of traveling. <laughs> you just got back from LA. And yep. And now I'm distance, like a month and a half till I get to see him again. So yeah. And they're the hard and they're not just hard because you miss the person. They're hard because communication is different yeah. and it's difficult to always understand where that person is coming from. It's difficult to like work through problems because you don't have eye-to-eye contact it's you know there's just so much being present with somebody uh, makes relationships easier right and so i we we just felt like the carlos relationship this year like that was an interesting way of putting them through i think a normal trauma of a relationship right oh yeah i've totally listened to a couple of those i listened to one on a plane when i was actually leaving jeremy to come back to halifax and i listened to to one of the episodes and i was just sitting there like damn it guys (laughs) can't you just be together just go back through the door um which (laughs) is is yeah no i i totally i totally get that and i think that is that is a pretty interesting way to do it because i mean i'm i have become over so much time like so many people so invested in that relationship Mm -hmm. i mean i'm still a fan right and i i remember when i was sort of first getting into it and you know when when things first happened in that relationship because i used to listen to it going to sleep like right before i went to bed i would just listen to it in bed and when things first started happening in that relationship, I remember like lying in bed, like squealing, just kicking my feet, being like, this is so cute. Uh, because it is, you know, amidst, especially amidst all that uh, horror. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think it is cool. I, I like I like where it's going. I'm so curious. You drew my, fir- my favorite ever, still my favorite ever fan art of the show. I, yes. I don't want to say fan art, but I, I don't it's fan um, art. It's fine. It's fan I don't, art. I don't, I don't look down the, on those terms at all. Which was the, um, which was the, um, the girl in bed. Yeah. You know, uh, the welcome to night bell, girl in bed, listening to the radio with the stars in the sky. And I'm like, that's awesome. That was so much <laughs> my experience listening to the radio growing up. And I just, I just think that's uh that's one of the great things oh. about listening to, uh, people talk on the radio late at night. There's something super soothing and comforting about that. Oh, it's great. It's the best. I mean, I, I came to the show, and I've talked about this before, but I came to Night Vale listening to it in the backseat of a car on, like, a nine-hour road trip at night. <laughs> and so I listened to, you know, we would stop at a McDonald's, and I would download, like, 12 more episodes while my friends were getting, like, <laughs> <laughs> chicken nuggets. It's just like, hold on, I need to listen to it. Um, and just sat in that ba- the back of the car and you know, driving through America listening to it, which I think is basically the ideal situation for listening to Night Vale. Yeah. Um, now. Oh, um. One thing I am going to recommend to you now before I do my my closing out uh where do we find yeah. you thing is you have are you are you a video game person ever like uh, ever from time to time it's kind of the same thing with comics I think I was yeah. into it really really young and then in as I've gotten older I've gotten back into like hearing things about video games but I I'm not super knowledgeable You should you can get it on Steam it's like a PC or computer I play it on a Mac game mm-hmm. um called Kentucky Route 0 Oh yes yeah. okay yeah. did I talk to you about this before no, or somebody but else so might have talked about this that I do need to get this. You game. should play it. I mean, I, I can totally understand why people would be like, oh, this is sort of a similar vibe to Night Vale because it is like weird, surrealist Americana stuff. Um, but it doesn't take like I played most of the game in a day. It doesn't take a super long time, but it is really cool. 
It's really like awesome. the mechanics of the game and the way that it works and just the stuff that it does. I think I think you would like. It's a good thing if you're have if you have a day off or something. I will absolutely. If that ever play. happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will. Well, you know, I'm about to have to fly to Seattle, so maybe I can download it and yeah, um, play on the plane. It's really cool. I, as, I think you would definitely be into it. I yeah. I recently played. I last year I played Gone Home. Oh yeah, uh, that's what I was just gonna say. It's just so beautiful, and so I loved good. it so much. And I've played it a couple times since then, just because I once I got to the end, I was like, "Oh man, there's so much more to know here." And yeah, kind of going back through and relearning the story so as good. you can piece it together. And then um, I'm also excited for Night in the Woods. Yeah, because um, I so played Lost I, Constellation, which was that yeah. first like little bit that came out with it, or yeah. like in advance, and that looks awesome. It does look really, and the dialogue on that game, that Night in the Woods, is really funny. It's so it's really funny sharp. and weird and and like real. Yeah. Like that's yeah. so much of like, uh, okay, whatever. Uh-huh. What? <laughs> Which is how I write dialogue. You know, I, I try yeah. and write like real people talk. So it's so funny to see that done, but it's yeah. much, much clever that I love it. Yeah, those are that's sort of like my holy trinity of games. <laughs> Even though Night in the Woods isn't out yet. Yeah, I'm super so excited for it to come out though. Um so if people obviously it's very easy to find Night Vale on the internet. Uh but if people want to listen to it it's on iTunes. Mhm. And it's on YouTube now? So there's no video. You should just listen to the episodes. Yeah. On YouTube, we have a lot of people that are like, I listened to your show on YouTube. I'm like, I didn't know we were on YouTube. Guess we should go on there. <laughs> yep. But, oh, I would say on YouTube, it's really if you um, if you were at, are going to any of the live shows or have to miss any of the live shows, uh, Dylan has been making these super wonderful, like, little two, three-minute clips of taking, like, interviewing fans and having them ask questions. And oh, then cool. some of us backstage answering the questions. And it's some of, it's sometimes me or Joseph, some, it's Cecil, sometimes it's Dylan himself or uh, Dessa or Mary, our musical guests. And, um, yeah, so there's some really, really fun stuff on there, too. So oh, hey, YouTube's cool for that, too. That's awesome. I'm going to, I want to see those. That's really cute. <laughs> and uh, on Twitter, you guys are at Night Vale Radio. Where yeah. else? Where else? And you are? I'm at Happier Man mm-hmm. on Twitter, and I'm the same name on uh, Tumblr mm-hmm. as well. Uh, although I'm, I'm less, my Tumblr tends to just be my Instagram feed. With every now and then, I'll write a little short essay or yes. reblog Kate left. And, um, <laughs> that does happen occasionally. So, um, so um, that's yeah, yeah, so that's it. And the book is called. The book is called Welcome to Night Vale. Oh, there a you novel. go. And, Keep it simple. Uh, yeah, it's going to be out. Um, yeah, it's it's available pretty much wherever on pre-order. Yeah. Wherever you can pre-order books, I think they have it now. Cool. Um, which is weird to be on like a legitimate like publishing house and having them put it everywhere. So yeah, and then it'll come out uh, later this October, and hopefully we'll have a have a book tour then. Yeah, that'll be cool. It's, it will be cool. That's so exciting! I'm so excited for you guys. Oh my gosh, I'm crazy excited mm-hmm. for us and what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And uh, yeah, and then. Uh, and then everyone should come to uh, to New York in early June. And while you and I and everyone else listening will hang out that day, yep. it'll be great. Well, I'll just go to a bookstore and... Oh, yes. Everyone so... bring flasks. Well, I'll just oh, get drunk yes, in a bookstore. <laughs> you know, Wait. if we actually announced that, we would, like, hundreds of people would come. It would probably be really fun. The flask convergence on yeah. Word in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, that'd be great. Yeah. I'd love it. Oh, that'd be awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for talking to me, uh, Jeffrey. I will hey, let you get back you. to your life. 
Thanks. Um, I can't wait to see you again. And thanks for having me on your show. This well, is thank delightful. You for coming on my show. I'm glad I'm glad you could make the time. Um, and I will talk to you soon. And everybody, go find everything Jeffrey does on the internet and go find uh, everything Night Vale on the internet. There's a lot of it, but it's all delightful. Have a lovely day. Thanks, Kate. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. I know that you want to the pages inside my heart. Well, that's our show. You can find me next at the Toronto Comic Arts Festival, May 9th and 10th. Until then, uh, visit our brand new Comixology page at comicsology.com slash less than live, where you can check out my stuff and all of the comics I recommend each episode, where there's previews and art, and you can get way more info than we normally had on our show notes. Did you skip the sponsor message? Look, go back. There's a secret deal, and you get cheap comics. In the meantime, rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you like the show and want to help us find out exactly what is beneath the Desert Flower Bowling Alley and Arcade Fun Complex, consider supporting our Patreon at patreon.com slash less than live. That'd be cool of you. If you've got questions or want more, find us on Facebook or on Twitter at LTLcast. And you can still get show notes at lessthanlivecast.tumblr.com, but we'll have the Comixology link now so you can actually go look at the comics. It's pretty cool. Stay warm, everybody. Have a great time. I'll miss you. Amnesia Forgetful Face. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. We just have the one cat okay. with the scrunchy face. Okay. When that's Simone. Yeah. And he is ageless. And, yeah. uh, and then we have and then we have Other Cat. Okay. Who's named me new, but we refer to as Other Cat. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's the way the union uh, requires it to be listed in the credits.